And what's up? Welcome in Monday episode GC Live. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Plenty to get to today, Chris. Transfer portal activity. We were kind of waiting on things to maybe take a step forward as far as some activity to talk about. And that happened over the weekend. So thought this was a good Monday to hop on here and talk a little portal recruiting. But first, going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, ClintHammond.com. 803-771-6933. Clint, uh, the proud sponsor. At least I hope he's proud. We're we're proud to have him as a sponsor. I'll say that. Uh, he stuck around through the very beginning. Um, you know, been, been with us here, I guess, a year or two now. So shout out to Clint for being a supporting sponsor and presenting sponsor and just a uh, huge supporter of, of Gamecock Central, actually, from even before that. So if you are in the market, for a new house, uh, give Clint a shout. He can help walk you through that process and give you an idea of what uh, you're kind of uh, looking at, what you can buy, what that process is going to be like. So, yeah, Chris, like I said, portal activity gets rolling. And no surprise here, how many times have we said the words running back and edge for the last – Too many. Know, way too many. The last five months. I feel like we've talked about those positions. There's been some other positions kind of looped in, but no surprise that South Carolina's two official visitors this weekend, and you can actually throw in a third from earlier in the week last week, um, two running backs and an edge prospect, and that is sort of right on brand, I think, for what we kind of expected. Yeah, finally, man, right? Like we've we've been talking about it for so long, about that pursuit. And actually had to wait till this window, uh, portal window, to you know get a little bit more activity. Uh, maybe we thought it'd be a little bit earlier, but this is kind of how it's turned out. And so, um, obviously, the big news is having the two running backs on campus, um, and then and then the edge and and Jatius Gear on campus, and then Logan Diggs and Demi Sumo Carnier, I think is how you pronounce it, Wes. Did I do okay on that? I think you've been practicing in the mirror, man. <laughs> I have not. I think I'd messed it up, but I said it so fast that people will not notice. So uh, obviously those are, again, th those are the need positions that yes, there've been some other offers that have been thrown out, whether it's um, shoot West, we've seen offensive line. We've seen DB. We've even seen a receiver offer or two from the portal, but nothing really ever materialized there. But, but, linebacker i mean we, we've seen multiple positions that have been offered but these are the two that you really need to focus in on and hone in on it's been the priority for south carolina staff and so they've hosted three pretty good ones as of recently including the two over the weekend Wes, and um some interesting uh now, now it's become a little bit more interesting to track it's become a little bit more tangible a little bit more real and now we have to see where it goes from here yeah i think logan diggs is the guy people want to talk about the most so let's I was gonna say let's make them wait but actually let, let's go ahead let's talk about digs I, I think people have waited long enough and so he comes in this weekend and you know this is a guy we've been tracking since he went into the portal and it, it kind of started out with us saying I believe this was last weekend maybe Chris saying hey this is a guy South Carolina wants to take a swing on and, you know, 
you never know how much traction you're going to get right off the bat if you're a school trying to make a run at a guy. And it's sort of slowly kind of materialized into South Carolina having kind of that puncher's chance where there is enough mutual interest there in order for a school to, um, you know, the kid's listening, basically. And then you add in the fact he takes the official visit. I think that's another sign, obviously, of interest. He went to Ole Miss for a midweek OV, then comes to Columbia for a weekend OV. His mom came as well sometimes. Sometimes you can read into that a little bit, in my opinion, just covering it for a long time. I'm always a little bit – now, there's some guys this is not a hard and fast rule, but when a parent takes a visit, it's just a little bit stronger sign, in my experience, of interest and of actually sort of hearing everything that a school has to tell you. So, you know, I I think, Chris, with the transfers, it's a little bit – like if a guy's a a graduate transfer and he comes in by himself and it's just because he just has everything in order, he's an adult, I can (laughs) handle this. Maybe that – maybe it doesn't apply anymore. But especially when when a high school kid comes in for an OV by himself, I'm like, my man just wanted a weekend. (laughs) Yeah. So – uh, but but mom came this weekend. Mom posted on Instagram after, put it on her story. You know, we had a great time. We've got a decision to make. Thanks for all the hospitality. Paraphrasing, of course. But I don't know, man. I, I think you still you still probably handicap it with LSU having an edge. But I think Carolina has put themselves in the conversation to where it wouldn't surprise you at this point if they were to get him. Yeah, and so let's back up the obvious ties of Logan Diggs to LSU. He's he's from Louisiana. He went to Arch, Archbishop, Archbishop Rummel High School, so a Louisiana native. He obviously has ties to Brian Kelly, who was the former coach at Notre Dame before he left for LSU this past year, year one at LSU. And so, yeah, there's obvious ties there. And, Wes, this, this honestly had when Logan Diggs jumped in the portal you originally go, okay, that, that's interesting, right? Because this is a kid that, yes, they had a three-headed monster at running back, which South Carolina fans and South Carolina's team found out in the Gator Bowl. They have Audric Estime. They had Chris Tyree last year. They also had Logan Diggs. And they all did different things, right? Tyree was good, the best receiving back probably. Estime led them in touchdowns and yards. But Logan Diggs had – the longest run on the team. He had the longest touchdown reception on the team. He was also their leader in carries and actual carries. That's the guy they went to the most. So at first you go, okay, guy who got the most carries of anybody on the team is leaving, you know, an established program. Then you kind of connect the dots. of Okay. This kind of might have the feel of a guy who kind of knows what he wants to do right out of the portal. Right. And you, you look at LSU, you hear about LSU and you said, okay, that makes sense. You know, he, he wants to go back home and play for a coach he knows. But South Carolina did, I think, Wes, throw a wrench in this thing. Ole Miss might be too. Um, but South Carolina seems to have really thrown a wrench in it. Good visit from everything we heard. And I think the number one thing that you could probably point to is the depth chart, right? The differences in the depth chart between South Carolina, which enters this season without that 
you know, number one returning, you know, thousand yard rusher at running back versus Ole Miss, which has Quinshawn Junkins and LSU, which has returns at least their top three backs and have six guys on scholarship there. I think that's the biggest difference that's really helping South Carolina's cause. Yeah, and I think there is, if you, you know, if you kind of play out all the things you just listed, man, there is kind of that that little part of me that's like, all right, th- this is still going to be very difficult to get him from LSU. Th- but then there is kind of the reality of this thing of if you're leaving the situation you were in at Notre Dame, then don't you want to go be the man somewhere? And now may- maybe he looks at the guys at LSU and maybe they're going to explain to him, hey, Logan, you're actually better than all these guys, so it doesn't matter that we have five or six guys. And maybe he's right. Maybe they're right. And maybe he just says, look, I'm going to get – not only am I going to go back home, go play for my old coach, but guess what? I'm I'm still going to start, and I'm going to do all the things I would do at South Carolina, but I'm going to do it at home. Um, and, and maybe he's right. But I, I do think certainly from a depth chart standpoint, that is a great um, sort of – a great pitch for South Carolina to sell and it's not it's not just recruiting it's not just a recruiting pitch it is a reality is that there's an opportunity for him at South Carolina he is potentially a missing piece I think for this offense and really for this transfer portal window I think about as good as you could possibly ever think you were going to get as far as a talent level all around back prototypical you talked about the speed, but he's got size as well. Again, carried the ball more than anybody else on that Notre Dame team. I mean, dude, from a Notre Dame perspective, I'm probably like, what do we got to do to keep our guys here? I mean, <laughs> he what he yeah, they had several backs, but he carried the ball more than anybody. So it's like, man, what yeah. do you got to do in, in this college football version we're in right now? What do you got to do to keep guys happy? They they might feel a little bit like some people at South Carolina feel about Marshawn Lloyd. You know, it's kind of you look back at uh, you know, Marshawn Lloyd missed a Tennessee game. Um, you know, he'd obviously been banged up earlier in the season, and you know he's limited coming back from that in the Clemson game. And you look back at some at the season, and there are pockets right where, you know, the Arkansas game where you say, all right, why does this guy carry the ball seven times against Arkansas? You know, you need to go to Marshawn Lloyd, but. Uh, I think I said this on the on the takeover on 1075 earlier, Wes. You know, you look at the week before the Tennessee game, the couple weeks you had uh or the week before the Florida game, rather. You know, earlier you had Texas AM, Kentucky. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd's getting 18 carries, 24 carries, and still eventually leaves, you know, and so it it can happen. And that's I think another reason, Wes, why you you really looked at all the different clues in the Logan Diggs situation and thought, all right. This guy carried the ball more than anybody on his team, but here's LSU, right? And and so it makes sense. I, I think the fascinating thing is probably, you know, I, I don't really know how Brian Kelly recruits. There's some coaches that you know are really straight up with recruits. You know, Shane Beamer, for instance, isn't going to promise a kid a starting spot. There's some coaches that would. You know, I mean, they'll just tell a kid whatever. Or, hey, you're going to get the first carry when you come here. Whatever it may be. Uh, Beamer doesn't do that. I don't know how Brian Kelly handles that. Is he telling Logan Diggs, hey, man, wink, wink, you're the best guy. I'm starting you if you come here. Is he telling him it's open competition? And then how does Logan Diggs 
feel about all that. At, at the bare minimum, I would think he knows it's riskier from a playing time standpoint to go to LSU, right? This is a guy who I've heard Wes has a belief that he may be able to play one more year of college ball and then go pro. That would make sense. But if you go to LSU and you're number two, number three, your odds of being able to accomplish that goal are, are not as good. And he has some real-world knowledge. You know, how, how did his recruitment play out with Brian Kelly the first time, and how close was it to re the reality, you know, when he got to Notre Dame? I I'm sure it's something he'll be leaning on with this as well. And here's one thing about recruiting you never quite know when there's a favorite or a perceived favorite, how open is a prospect to someone else overtaking that favorite? Like is, you know, are these, are these check the boxes official visits where it's like, ah, let's just see what else is out there, but I'm probably going to LSU or are they more open-minded? I'm not talking about what we can even find out or hear. I'm talking about when it's like, him and his mom, and it's just the two of them, and they're truly talking this thing out. How open-minded are you to going anywhere other than LSU? Or how much of this is just, hey, we got a chance to take a couple other visits. Let's enjoy some good food, see what's out there, and just make sure before committing to LSU. Chris, I'd keep an eye. So apparently, and I'm kind of leaning on our friends at the LSU on three site. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Um, Shay Dixon, uh, Billy and Body, that whole group. Uh, I think they're anticipating digs at LSU on a visit this coming weekend. So, kind of typical where the perceived favorite, the the longest relationship, kind of gets the last swing. So, may, maybe something to keep an eye on there. If Carolina completely flipped, flipped him, is there any chance that? He just says, all right, you know, I'm going to go ahead and commit this week before that happens, or does he play this thing out? you got to imagine if LSU gets him to campus this coming weekend, um, that ultimately is going to be a little bit tough to, uh, to, to land him in the end. I kind of look at, as we kind of continue our conversation forward, Chris, I kind of look at it as like the opposite of like with gear. I feel like – if even if gear and I don't even know if gear is taking any other visits or planning to, if gear was visiting elsewhere, we would be sitting here saying probably, Hey, look, he's taking some visits, but home state school chance to get back. It's going to take a mountain of new feelings for him to go anywhere other than South Carolina. Yeah. Everybody would be is chasing South Carolina with gear. Everybody's chasing, you know, LSU with Logan Diggs. That's, pretty obvious, you know, and so I I think you make a good point that you don't want if you're South Carolina that LSU visit to happen. You you would you would much rather that not take place so that you can continue the good vibes that you have there. And you know, we'll see. We'll we'll see how that that happens. You would think, you know, you mentioned the recruitment of him the first time around West, you know, with Brian Kelly. He signed there. If he's showing any interest in going back there, it seems like it's everything's fine there. Um, but it, it, again, I go back to this. What does he think of the depth chart situation? There's there's some factor there. Um, that's a big factor, you know, that he's considering. With gear, you know, I, I don't know 
I haven't heard of any other schools involved. It, it seems almost like a foregone conclusion, and South Carolina hosts them this weekend. I think, Wes, I, you and I have probably heard similar things. It, it very much seems like this is it, – it's hard to put things in the foregone conclusion category, but probably about as close as you can get to, to that. Yeah, I, I thought even going into this weekend, man, it was close to being almost a formality. But just wanted to check everything out, make sure, and all indications are everything went well there. Should be relatively, I would think, kind of low maintenance of a recruitment. And, hey, I mean, Diggs stills the headlines a little bit, but still this would be a phenomenal pickup for South Carolina. We knew about the need at edge. We knew that they wanted to bring in a couple of guys at that position for this uh, sort of portal window. and. So this is a, a kid that's obviously from the state. He's from near where Chris is in the upstate. And, and you know, I, I think one thing I also would like about this pickup, Chris, and I'm sure we'll dive into it even more if they do land him, but this is not a sort of one-year, you know, not a junior or senior, not kind of a one-year free agent deal type thing, frankly. This is more – like I, I don't think gear is anything close to being a finished product. Like, I think this is a kid that comes in, is in the rotation. Really, whether he starts or not, I think more depends on what what they decide to do at those positions. Is it like we saw for a lot of the spring, where you kind of go more towards a Tonka or Elijah Davis type at one end spot, opposite strong? Or are they running that true kind of edge on both sides type stuff like we've seen the last couple of years? But either way, I think with gear, you're getting an upside guy, kind of burst onto the scene this past season for Syracuse, very productive, but I think will only stand to get better during his time at South Carolina because there's eligibility to go here. This is not a graduate transfer. That, to me, makes him even more valuable than thinking about, you know, obviously if you found, Wes, a guy who's a senior from the portal or a grad transfer or something that can bring in who's, a starter caliber, you're going to take that. And you're going to take that even after you land gear, if, if that situation were to present itself. Um, but this is a kid who was just a redshirt freshman last year. You know, so um, he he played, he think he started 12 of 13 games um, and was pretty productive. You know, six and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, six quarterback curries. And is a kid that I really liked in high school, Wes. I mean, I there was a point later in that recruiting cycle that he was in where I was kind of wondering, is South Carolina going to take a swing here? Ultimately, they didn't. But if you go back and you look at his film, I thought he'd be more of a defensive tackle, you know, just looking at his body type. As it is, he, he settled out at end and, um, you know, just really has shown a lot of promise early on as a pass rusher. So, a big upside, but somebody who's still less good enough to play and potentially start as soon as next year for South Carolina. Yeah, and um, Sterling Lucas, rock star, I think um, you will do a fantastic job developing him. Assuming we're talking about him like he's already committed. He's obviously not, but uh, I think Carolina, again, in fantastic shape there and would be happy to kind of check off that, that box, you know, as far as um, – Again, I think they want to, but you can go ahead and check one spot off once they have him committed. And, uh, you know, so we'll continue to track that, continue to track the dig situation. And, you know, Chris, like I said earlier, there was a running back who was on campus. Um, 
I have, I've sort of put myself to calling him Demi, um, just to make sure I don't screw Good the name idea. up. But uh, kid from NC State, I think is actually a fantastic talent in his own right. As much attention as Diggs has gotten, you know, this kid, if not for some injuries, probably was going to be NC State's feature back this past season. And, um, you know, actually really was when he was healthy. And so, yet, would that be a concern from a South Carolina standpoint that he's been banged up, that he's missed a lot of time? Yeah, that's always part of an evaluation, I think. However, if he hadn't been hurt, he's probably not in the portal and available <laughs> to you anyway. Yeah. Because he'd yeah. be a thousand-yard rusher at NC State. And so th this has been a little bit more under the radar, I think, than certainly than than Diggs, just in the, the fan base's collective and the conversation. But, I mean, we'll see what happens here. We'll see how South Carolina kind of manages the two. Obviously, they only want one running back, I think, out of the portal. But I, I think an intriguing talent very much in his own right. Yeah, and what you don't want to happen, Wes, is to strike out on, on both, you know, because you are having to – kind of parlay these right you've got to you got to balance both of these and it, it does have the appearance right that South Carolina from, from what we've seen from what we know that they are making a huge push for Logan Diggs but if that doesn't work out for whatever reason I agree with you I mean I've I know you you said hey watch this kid once you got wind of it and um the, there are some some definite things to like there patient runner you know, can catch the football, can run it. And if not for the injuries, this may be one of those guys that we are talking about as being a, a really, really good power five back. So his name kind of really has flown under the radar because of that injury history, and there's only been the sporadic um, successes there for him. But the ones that have been there are really pretty intriguing. So um, you, you, want, you want one. You, you want somebody. And, and when I say somebody, obviously that's somebody that, South Carolina staff would deem as being able to help this program and that they could provide snaps, they could provide depth, meaningful depth, if not come in and win a starting position. And I think it's important, Wes, because you still don't have that established guy. You've got some guys that could end up being your starter, but we're not sitting here talking about, hey, this guy's going to be South Carolina's starter. I think we're still working with limited information. We don't quite know yet. We could say, hey, I think it's going to be to carry on Joyner. I think it's going to be Mario Anderson or Juju McDowell, whoever, but it's not a sure thing. And that's why that's one of the reasons why they need to bring in somebody else to continue to competing and, and just add depth. Wes, I mean, right now they got three scholarship backs. Mm -hmm. They're adding another one in Braswell, but if you could go in the season with five that you feel pretty good about at a position where you typically have some injuries, that'd be massively helpful. Yeah. And Braswell, I think is a very talented kid. I really do, but you, you don't want to have to put a ton on him right off the bat. You know, it's one thing if you start getting into that middle portion of the season, everybody's banged up and, you know, you always are going to have a position where you have to get into maybe the third or fourth guy running back just feels like it's often one of those spots where that happens. But the, the more depth you add, you're kind of adding a layer, kind of a buffer in there to allow him to sort of get settled in get acclimated to being a college running back and all the things that go along with that, as opposed to like, there's a certain scenario here, Chris, 
where if you don't get what you need or want, then you're going into preseason saying, man, we got to do everything we possibly can to get Braswell ready to possibly be called upon. And, you know, with him not going through spring, that's obviously just less than ideal. want to hit on a couple of comments here before we move forward. William Jones says, I think Joyner is going to shock everyone as a running back. And, you know, that that's certainly possible, I think, William. And I, I think we all, you know, we had to carry on in for an hour on the Garnet Trust Hour the other day. And, you know, you're looking at two big fans of on Joyner. Like, I am I love the guy. I think he had a really good spring. Regardless, you know, he could have had the best spring in the history of running backs. And I still think he would have wanted to bring in an additional guy at this position. But you do bring up a good point, William, that his emergence this spring did help you feel a bit better about that position. And, Chris, my biggest takeaway, man, 222 pounds for to carry on Joiner at mm. this current time. Well, he looks it, you know, I mean, we were talking about that the other day after he left the studio. I remember seeing him at Fort D and I think you pulled it up, Wes. He was listed at 190 in high school, maybe a little generous. Maybe that was a soaking wet. Very generous. I think. Just emerged from the pool to carry on Joiner in his bathing suit. But, uh, you know, he he has certainly put on weight. I mean, he, he it's been easy to see how he's filled out, but I feel like the past couple of years, especially at South Carolina, you've really seen that. And he looks the biggest he has, um, you know, in a good way. Um, it you, you need to be a little bit – you don't want to be a 190-pound running back with the style that he's going to run with, which is, you know, he runs with some physicality, you know. Um, he, he's always been that way. And he wanted to keep his weight right at about 220 for the season. As we know, it's tough when you get in season. That's not the time to put on weight. You have to do it in the off season. And so 222 now, and if he can hover around that area, 220, 218 for the season, I think that'll be a, a step. That'll certainly be a positive for. But he he did, Wes, have a really good spring. I mean, go back and watch the spring game. The very first run he has just kind of looks like a natural running back. and. I thought with his talent level, his natural ability to carry the ball, that he would probably make a pretty successful transition. But I think he surprised everybody, himself included, by just kind of how quickly he picked it up. Yeah, very natural runner. And we, we also learned last week that running back was his first position as a football player. Way back in the day, was a Reggie Bush fan. That was sort of his um, – I guess, hero as a kid, football hero as a kid. And kind of interesting how that came full circle. And who knows? Who knows what it would look like if he had just played running back, you know, from the very beginning. But he, even to, to the point we were just making, Chris, I feel like I feel like DK looked like a wide receiver when he arrived at South Carolina if you were going to move him from a position. But now, just being around him in person, he does look like a running back. Like, he legitimately has filled out that much during that time period where you maybe would have even, if you would have at the time said, should we move in receivers, should we move in running back, you probably would have said, I think his body type is more built for receiver. Now, um, you know, you probably maybe lean to running back. And we actually, uh, hitting Trey's question here, we're actually joking with him about that. Beamer very early on in a kind of press conference way said, uh, yeah, he's still a receiver. 
Chris, I, I, and I think he fully meant it at that time. But yeah. I, I think I think he's a running back now. He, right? he's, a, he's a running back, yeah. And you know, and Decarion did say, "Hey, I I might still be able to slide out there and play some receiver, and and maybe we see some of that." But then the then that's going to break all our brains because it may be all right. Well, is he just a running back that they put at receiver in the slot at that time? Uh, we know he can do it, right? Um, he spent his time this spring as a running back, and I think remember the the timeline that Decarion gave for his comfort level, right? He said. Day one, he picked it up a little bit faster. He said day two was the day where he's like, I can really do this. So it did happen pretty quick. And if he noticed it, odds are the staff probably noticed it. And so the the thinking probably quickly went from, all right, we're going to try this experiment. He's still a receiver. Let's, let's see if he can give us some snaps to, all right, we've seen enough. Now he's probably a running back. We're, we're good at receiver with the guys that we've got there. Now he needs to be a full-time running back. So he spent all his time there. And, and I think we can officially list him as that still listed as a receiver on his Gamecocks online bio. We'll see about getting that changed. Not that we control it. Yeah, we don't. Uh, happy birthday, Mark. Happy happy birthday, Mark. Oh, man. Um, trying to, th- Hey, who was Mark's guy last year? Oh man. Tell us your guy, Mark. I, I remember it, but I, I, I remember that, but I cannot remember who it was. Mark was a big stand for somebody on the team. Yeah, God, who was it? This is bad that I can't think was of it? Was. No, it wasn't Jordan. For some reason, Jordan Strong came in, my, came in my head, but I don't think that was He's it. He's an offensive guy. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, shout out, Mark. Hope you're doing well, man. <laughs> Mark always uh, was passionate about his opinion about whoever it was. I can remember. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely was. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move forward, we're going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax. Overcome your tax anxiety. If you've not done your taxes yet, you should have some real tax anxiety. I'm guessing you just don't care at this point, but you need to. Um, 803-462-5576. Give them a call because uh, the IRS is probably going to be giving you a call. Uh, they've got uh, local offices right here, Columbia, Irmo, and Lexington. Easy options to get you in there. If your taxes were a struggle this past tax season and you want to go ahead and set yourself up for a little bit better, a little bit easier situation next year, go ahead and give them a call as well, and they'll help you um, sort of get settled in. Maybe you need to do some prepaying. Maybe you need to handle things a little bit different. Uh, Again, 803-462-5576. Shout out Larry and uh, his team at Liberty Tax here in Columbia. Let's see. I got about eight windows on here. Did Mark respond yet? Mark has not responded yet. We're genuinely curious, Mark. Please, please tell us. Help us. I feel like Trey Kenyon was mentioned at some point by him, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Mark, throw us a bone here, man. (laughs) Let's see. We had a question a long time ago. I remember it from the very beginning from Greg who is a loyal watcher slash listener over the years who've been doing this show. He said, what are summer workouts looking like? Uh, how are they framed um, with team led and strength staff? So Greg, nothing to report on summer workouts right now because they have not started yet. This is actually whenever the guys come in, we talked about this with Boogie and with DK. This is Chris, their one true month to kind of reset. Yep. And 
I got to feel like that is like walking a balance beam because your 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 body and your mind, as much as we like to think of this no days off mindset, you know, that's like a a tagline in sports and it's like, you know, Americans like to say how hard they work and how long they work and how, as much as we all like to brag about that. You do have to actually give yourself a reset. And these kids are going at it the other 11 months, truly. However, nobody wants to walk back into Luke Day's workouts day <laughs> one and feel like they're restarting. Yep. To put it into um, regular people terms, you ever been a gym goer and then you just get out of it for a little bit and then you get back in there? And you're just reminded like that, God, I just erased a year of work and now I'm back like four months behind. <laughs> yeah. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Uh, it's hard It's hard to get back in it, especially for these guys with the intensity of the workouts that they are going through. And, um, you know, they will, they will uh, work while they're out, not with the same intensity. Spencer Rattler has been posting uh, – been posting his workouts as the kids say on, on IG West. So he he's, he's getting after it. He's out in Arizona, actually training back home, uh, throwing it around, working out a little bit. So the guys will still do that. It will just be their, like you said, their one true chance to have a little bit of recovery, a little R and R. Yeah. And this is kind of a fun time. A lot of times the guys will, um, if they have personal trainers or, um, you know, I, I think some like last year, at one point, Juice went to Arizona and spent some time out there with Spencer throwing. And, you know, I think some of the guys go down to Florida if they can and work out down there. Like, it's really a – you kind of have to balance it out, though. You you want to get home, see your family, while also staying in shape and being ready. Because I imagine – Chris, don't you think Luke Day can tell within about 10 minutes who spent their May – completely physically resetting and no. who just took a little time off. I disagree. One minute at the most. One minute. He's probably, you remember the beginning of, uh, it's probably in the first one too, but this one came to mind in Terminator 2 when he, Arnold Schwarzenegger appears and then he goes into the bar and he's like analyzing the body types <laughs> to find out whose clothes he can fit in. I feel like Luke Day has that. Like he can do like just an eyeball body analysis and he's like, that guy has put on 2% more body fat um in this month probably just immediate without even using the bod pod thing no, or whatever no bod pod needed just eyeball test and then it will be confirmed like on the first workout if when guys are struggling he can tell who sat home and ate fried chicken and who took care of themselves yeah they start um they basically start those workouts crawling um <laughs> Like literally, literally that's literally. how it's like he's like, oh man, this guy's not crawling right today. It's like this this guy has not has not been doing his crawling during the uh no during doubt. the offseason. But uh and by, I'm dead serious. Like the, the loop day workout is built from the ground up as far as um how those things work and uh, very, very interesting if you ever had a chance to sit in on one of his workouts, but a huge part of what South Carolina does is Luke Day's um, structure, I guess you would say. But 
All right, uh, let's see. Barry wants to know, Chris, any thoughts on the over-under win total that was released for this year? Um, we talked about it earlier. What was it, six and a half? That's how. That's really how much I care about win totals and <laughs> over-unders and all that BS. Um, doesn't really – I mean, it sets a standard, I guess. It sets an aiming point, but blah. Is how I feel about that stuff. It is higher than it has been, though. Higher than it has been, which means, you know, it could end up being closer. South Carolina has outperformed those win totals. Doesn't mean that that will definitely happen in year three. <laughs> There's obviously uh, a lot more that depends upon that. And they do have – look, either way you slice it, if, if you believe the feel steel metric that says that South Carolina has the hardest schedule in the country, or if you say, ah, it's not the hardest in the country – well, we know it is one of the hardest in the country. You could be the biggest diehard Clemson fan in the world or whoever hates South Carolina, and you should be able to recognize that South Carolina objectively has a very difficult schedule. And so that means, Wes, you can be a really, really good team and still take some L's in the course of the year. A lot of things can happen, and it's a tough it's a tough deal. So six and a half, okay. Um, I probably, based on what we know right now, I'm probably going – somewhat over that, uh, but not some giant shock. If it had come out and they said, I think South Carolina win four games, I'm sitting here probably surprised, very, very surprised by that. Not as much, and especially because this is a team, a program that has been undervalued uh, the past couple of years. Well, and how, how much does it maybe affect how you would project that season paying off or playing out, I should say, based on what happens in week one. Like I, I know oh, yeah. you know, I, I know these seasons are roller coasters and it's easy when you're in it to kind of forget that. That no matter how bad you look on a certain week or two, you're not that bad. And no matter how great you look, you're not that, you know, it's it's kind of in the middle is where the reality is. But you're playing a team in week one that certainly if you're putting all these variables into a computer, they're saying, oh well this is a coin flip type game as opposed to starting off the season with, you know, no offense, but Georgia state. Yeah. The computers are going to say South Carolina beats Georgia state. I don't know. 80% of the time. Yeah. It's probably 50, 50 for the most part with this. So that number probably immediately jumps. If you start the year by checking off a box with an out of conference win over UNC, whereas if you lose that first one, you're kind of chasing that number all year long. But then you also have to remember, right, we're sitting there last year. South Carolina has just gotten throttled by Florida. And you're sitting there saying, you know, where where's this team going to find the wins? Mm-hmm. And then found them. <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in these computer models, Wes, I mean, you, you point this out often, you know, they're going to look at returning production, mm-hmm. just faceless production. And uh, it's not going to care who did it. It's just going to show what is the number and is that person still on the team anymore? And in a lot of cases, they're not. And so um, is South Carolina going to lose something in some regard at some of those spots? Yes. Uh, could they still get good production at some of those spots? Also, yes. And so with this particular team and just how it's comprised, how it's made up, 
little bit tougher, I think, to predict this season's team uh, just based on some of those people who have left, some of those people that are coming in. Just got to see how all that comes out in the wash and comes out in the mix. All right, final question here from It's Me. Preseason guess. Man, you got to ask us this later on, I feel like. I'm, I'm going to give you an answer just to play along, but don't hold it to us. Ask us later on, and I'll give you a better answer. Preseason guess, who is this year's Nick Emanwari or DQ Smith? Underrated guy that we end up starting or playing a ton. Give us a guess. You know, here's the thing with – how, how do we give somebody that compares to those two when this time last year, those two weren't even on campus yet? Mm-hmm. You know, so – are we talking about an underrated freshman that might come out of nowhere? Um, I, I don't – I think it's actually kind of rare what we saw from those two guys yeah. as true freshmen. You know? Yeah. They, yeah. they were two of Carolina's better defenders. Who's the guy that came to your mind? Because I have one or two, probably. Freshman? Could be Versus either. Take it how you want. I gotta look. I gotta look at the. Gotta look at the roster and jolt my brain. Who you got? So the freshman that came to my mind again, who like Nikki and DQ were summer enrollees. You know, Vicari Swain. I think could factor in there. Um, because we had you and I had this conversation the other day. Rush and Smith gone. So here comes Marcellus Dow and Od Fortune. Dial seems even more locked in than Fortune just because he's played even more over the course of his career last season. Fortune's played a good bit. Those two are your starters right now. But is it so entrenched, particularly on one of them, that Vakari Swain, if he came in and just wowed everybody, could he play a lot? Could he take a starting job? I think with his talent level, that's possible. He's probably – I don't know if you could say he's underrated. He was a top 100 player. He is underrated in Gamecock fans' minds. Like, think about how much discussion there's been on, like, a Harbor or finally, deservedly so, Lenora Sellers versus Vicari Swain when Swain's a top – I mean, top 100 guys get talked about a lot. For some reason, he hasn't. Trey Daniel mentioned Kilgore, who went through spring ball. That's a good one. It's a pretty good one. Four-star guy as well, though. Even worry – was actually as far as Charles Power goes on on three, he was yeah. a four star guy as well. So if you know if you wanted to, I, I remember. Now this wasn't in May, y'all, but in in June, there was already buzz. Hey, this Nick Even Worry guy is something else. <laughs> now even hearing that, that doesn't mean a guy's going to do what he did. Yeah, we've heard. I mean. I remember hearing at one point, hey, this Rico Powers guy looks fantastic in summer. You know, it doesn't all it doesn't always play out like that where they just play right off the bat. But um yeah, I, I think as far as summer guys, Bakari Swain, I can almost already bet we're gonna be hearing reports from the building about Vakari, you know, being ready to go. Um I think I think Garjulo, like not that it's a freshman, obviously. That's a name fans need to go ahead and know. He'll be a starter yep. in the fall. Um 
I think Marquis Anderson and Zay McLeod being further along than maybe we thought, even though they were highly recruited. You know, I think that's worth mentioning. Um, I don't even, I don't know if anybody's going to do quite what those guys did. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We'll see. I'll tell you a guy I do think maybe has gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit would be someone like Trovon Ball, who probably gets over um, shattered a bit by – you know, Babalade was such a big target, and you had the the decommitment, the recommitment, and all those things. Plus, Marky Anderson being a local guy, beating you know beating Clemson at Dorman, it got a little bit more attention. Some people think Ball may be the farthest along out of high school. Now, Marky gets a head start by being there for spring, but you know, I don't know. It's it's really a nice class. I think there's some depth in there. Your boy Cam Sandlin. I mean, he's got a chance to be pretty good. I know we just like named the roster. So <laughs> name sorry it's me. But it's a nice class. It really yeah. is. All right, y'all. I think that's gonna do it for today. Uh, appreciate hey, we got a big group in here. I had a feeling people wanted to talk portal today, so that's why we wanted to do the show. But um, let's see. Huge numbers. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate the support. Uh, for Chris, I am Wes. Thanks to all of our sponsors as well, the local Liberty Tax team and Clint Hammond. Uh, we'll talk to you all soon. You'll have a good one.